What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 107, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC fight night going down this Saturday, July 25th, 2020, headlined by Robert Whittaker versus Darren Till. This card will take place from Fight Island in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, and will feature 15 fights. That is right, 15 fights on one single UFC card, the most in UFC history, tying UFC 2 way back in 1994. So we have a lot of fights to break down, but I just want to quickly rewind to last week. That was the Figueredo versus Benavidez rematch, and I was able to predict 10 out of 12 fights correctly and profit 5.5 units on my BetMMA.tips page, which brings me to over 47 units profit for the year in 2020. So make sure you are checking out all my official bets on my BetMMA tips page. You can find it in the YouTube description and on my Twitter at UFO underscore UFC. Also on the BetMMA website, I am Martian MMA there. So that's going to do it for the recap of last week. We're going to get right down into analyzing and predicting all 15 of these fights. We're going to start things off in the Bantamweight division. We have Nathaniel Wood taking on John Castaneda. The opening betting line for this one was... Wood at minus 365 to Castaneda plus 255. Right now we are seeing Wood minus 525 to Castaneda plus 415. So more action coming in on Nathaniel Wood. I'm not exactly as surprised by more action coming in on Wood. He's definitely the more popular fighter. And he's gotten a lot of hype in his past few UFC fights. He was humbled a little bit in his last fight against John Dodson. He had a massive step up in competition and kind of struggled with Dodson. Was not able to take him down easily like he did most of his other opponents and got knocked out in round three. So Wood definitely struggled a little bit in his last fight. But they're giving him a much easier fight here. Castaneda is making his UFC debut. Watched a lot of tape on him, and he's a southpaw fighter. He has some pretty decent technique and footwork on the feet. I was impressed with his striking technique, and he's fought some decent competition over in the Combates America promotion. Now, there are some good things about Castaneda. He seems pretty well-rounded, but I do think that his defensive grappling is not very good. That was evident in the Leah Loa fight. If you're able to watch that fight, he definitely struggled with getting taken down, did not look very good off of his back, and was not able to stand up. So if Wood is having a bit of a competitive fight in the striking here, I think he looks to hit takedowns and use his massive grappling advantage to outgrapple and likely submit uh, Castaneda on the ground here. So... The striking has potential to be close here. Well, Wood definitely struggled with the southpaw Dodson in his last fight. Castaneda, another southpaw here. I could see the striking be a bit competitive, but I think Wood will likely hit takedowns if that's the case and use his massive grappling advantage once he gets on the floor. So the pick for me is going to be Nathaniel Wood by submission or decision. I think submission is probably more likely because I just really haven't liked what I've seen from Castaneda in his defensive grappling. So the pick for me is going to be Wood by submission. In terms of the betting line i think it's a pass where it's at now i'm not seeing much value on castaneda if you want to bet a quarter of a unit a half a unit on him i don't think it's a terrible bet but i think he likely gets outclassed and submitted here so the pick is going to be wood the next fight takes place in the welterweight division we have ramazan amiv taking on nicholas stolzi the opening betting line for this one was amiv minus 245 to stolzi plus 175 Right now, we are seeing Amiv minus 425 to Stolze plus 340. So I think that this line is actually justified, even though Amiv is a pretty massive favorite. Stolze is coming in here making his UFC debut on fairly short notice as well. And he looks like a decent fighter, not totally helpless, and has some decent striking technique. And I think could even be competitive in the striking here versus Amiv. But 
I think his defensive grappling is not very good, and he likely gets taken down and massively outgrappled by Ameev, sort of similar to the first fight, where I think it could be competitive if it stays on the feet, but I don't think it will, and Ameev likely hits takedowns and looks at minus 400 price, so won't put too much analysis into this one. If it stays striking, it could be competitive. We might even see Stolze win some exchanges, but we're eventually going to see Ameev use that wrestling game, hit takedowns, and outgrapple Stolze. He's not a very aggressive finisher Ameev is kind of content to stay on top sometimes and just win rounds so I think that's what happens here is he just wins a very comfortable dominant decision we might see a submission from him but as long as Stolze doesn't give up his back and try to get up very recklessly I think that he could be good enough to just stay off stay on his back and get out grappled for three rounds and not get submitted here so the pick is going to be Ameev by decision and he's probably a safe parlay piece at this price the next fight is in the women's bantamweight division. We have Beche Kohea taking on Pani Kianzad. The opening betting line for this one was Kianzad, the minus 115 slight favorite to Kohea, minus 105. Right now we are seeing Kianzad minus 155 to Kohea, plus 135. So... A lot of action has come in on Pani Kianzad these past few days. It was sitting at a pick for a few months, actually. The line came out all the way back June 14th. But then these, these past few weeks, people have been betting Kianzad heavily. And I think I agree with it. I think she's the rightful favorite here. Where the price is at now, I think it's a pass. I was able to bet Kianzad at minus 115 and minus 110. And I think there's some value there. But when we get above the 60% mark, I'm not too confident in Kianzad where I think that there's value. Value left on her at minus 150. So getting it down to the matchup here versus Kohea, I think that Kianzad is the much more technical striker. I really like her boxing. She has the ability to move backwards and to counter box. Kianzad is a very nice left hook. I thought Kianzad looked very solid against Jessica Rose Clark, had good cardio and outputs in all three rounds, and that's a big factor here because Kohea has lost round one of some fights and then kind of capitalized on her opponents slowing down and was able to get back into the fight in rounds two and three, like the Sajara Eubanks fight. Kohea was massively outstruck and taken down in round one, but then Sajara started to slow down and Kohea, very tough, durable, just kept marching forward and was able to outstrike Sajara Eubanks and wins round two and three that fight for a decision but Kianzad is not going to slow down she's going to have steady output good cardio and will be constantly out striking Kohea throughout this fight I mean I just give Kianzad a, a technical and striking advantage and the fight is going to be mostly taking place on the feet so you got to favor Kianzad she's going to be lighting Kohea up with punches and calf kicks and I think unless Kianzad slows down or manages to get taken down somehow and stuck on her back I think that she should outstrike Kohea on the feet in this one pretty easily so the pick for me is going to be Pani Kianzad to win by decision I think that there's a slight possibility of a knockout from accumulated damage but I don't think that's uh, very likely Kohea is very durable and tough and likely just keeps marching forward and getting outstriked throughout the full 15 minutes of this fight but for a fight that is likely going to be a striking match it's going to be fairly competitive it's going to be contested on the feet for the whole time in my opinion I think that 60% is a little bit too high to favor Kianzad at and even though I'm going to pick her and be betting her I think that where the line is at now it's probably dog or pass and I would stay away from Kianzad money line at the minus 150 price but the pick is going to be Kianzad by decision the next fight is in the heavyweight division we have Tanner Bosser taking on Rafael Pessoa the opening betting line for this one was Bosser minus 210 to Pessoa plus 160 Right now, we are seeing Bosser minus 265 to Pessoa plus 225. So 
more action coming in on the favorite Tanner Bosser in this one. And I agree with that action. Uh, Tanner Bosser's stock is very high right now coming off of a great knockout victory in round one versus Felipe Lins. I just give Bosser a pretty big technical advantage in this fight. I think he's a much better striker. I think his takedown defense is solid enough to avoid getting taken down and stuck on bottom versus Pessoa. And Pessoa did look improved from his first UFC fight. He was able to bounce back with a nice win over Jeff Hughes in his last fight, but didn't look incredibly impressive. His technique didn't look very good. He was just very aggressive and high output in rounds one and two and was able to outstrike Jeff Hughes in that fight, but slowed down very heavily in round three, didn't really fight in a very sustainable way. And I don't think he'll be able to do that here versus Bosser. I think the bosser will be counter punching him and leg kicking him and outstriking him very early on in this fight. So I don't think Pessoa can win this fight outside of a flash knockout. Maybe he gets a, a miracle takedown and some top time versus bosser. But I, I pretty heavily favor this fight for Tanner Bosser. I think he wins the fight by outstriking Pessoa. And the pick for me is going to be Tanner Bosser by decision. Could even see a possible knockout because bosser does hit very hard. Pessoa slows down late and doesn't have the greatest defense. So I think the bosser leg kicks outboxes pesoa to a decision or knockout here so the pick is going to be bosser and even at this current price i think there is some value left on bosser so if you want to straight bet him lay the chalk or throw him in a parlay i would think it's a pretty safe bet the next fight takes place in the featherweight division we have mosvar ivalev taking on mike grundy the opening betting line for this one was Ivalev, the minus 270 favorite to Grundy plus 230. Right now we are seeing Ivalev minus 200 to Grundy plus 170. So there is two-way action coming in on this fight, but the more action is coming in on the dog, Mike Grundy. And I definitely agree with it. I think that Grundy at plus 200 is a solid bet, and I already bet him for one unit at the plus 210 price. I did a lot of tape on Mosvar Ivalev when he was coming into the UFC. He had a lot of fights in the M1 promotion against solid competition, and I was impressed with him. He looked very good in all aspects of MMA, especially the grappling. He's a tremendous grappler. But ever since he's gotten in the UFC, I think I've been a little underwhelmed with him. He's only had two fights, one against Choi where he dominated the fight. He took him down a lot, grinded him out against the cage. But I expected him to dominate Choi a little bit more. I thought he would get the finish. I thought he would go for some more dominant positions like back takes. He went for a lot more back takes in the M1 promotion but has not attacked too many in the UFC. And I, I don't like that because Ivalev is a tremendous wrestler, great grappler, but he uses all this energy to get his opponents down or to get him against the cage but he just doesn't do the most with the position he doesn't go for very many submissions he doesn't go for much ground and pound and he's kind of content to just ride you against the cage and to grind out a decision and that's what he did mostly versus Enrique Barzola as well he had some competitive striking exchanges with Barzola Ivalev was able to hit a lot of takedowns versus Barzola, but Barzola did a good job getting back up to his feet to reverse in position and making Ivalev work really hard, and that was a very competitive fight between him and Barzola. Another big concern about Ivalev is most of his career has been fought at 135. I think that's his best weight class to be honest and this fight is at 145 and he's pretty untested at 45 he beat Choi and Barzola but Choi is not really UFC level and Barzola dropped down to 135 after that fight so Barzola is a smaller 45er and I think for the first time in Ivalev's career he's going to be fighting a, a very big 145er in Mike Grundy here and Grundy is a an English wrestler very good takedown game 
most of Grundy's wins before the UFC, he was just attempting takedowns right away and smashing his opponents with ground and pound and going for the submission. But in his first UFC fight against Nad Naramani, it looked like he was very confident in his striking for the first time in his career. He did have a long layoff between uh, the, the UFC career and his uh, regional career. So it looked like Grundy had worked on his striking a lot. His boxing looked sharp. He had fast hands. He was able to rock Naramani with a right hand in round one and then rock him with a left hand in round two. So he's got power in both hands. He's improving his striking. He's a solid wrestler. One thing about this fight, what makes it hard to predict is we just don't know how good of a defensive grappler Mike Grundy is because most of his opponents have been scared of his wrestling. They don't want to initiate the ground with him at all. And we haven't seen people shoot takedowns or try to grind him against the cage. He did stuff one takedown uh, versus Nad Naramani and looked pretty good doing so. It looked like it was an easy take, uh, an easy defense to that takedown. But we have not seen anybody near the caliber of Ivalev go for multiple takedowns against Grundy. And that's going to be really interesting to see how the wrestling and grappling matches up between these, these two. Now comparing the striking of these two fighters, I think Ivalev has very technical striking but just doesn't really have much power or initiative behind his striking. He doesn't really pressure fighters too much. And Grundy, like I said before, his boxing impressed me versus Nad Naramani. He had very quick hands. He had some power behind his punches. And I think that Grundy is likely going to be the more powerful striker here. And Ivalev might have a slight technique advantage, but I think I'm going to give a slight striking advantage to Mike Grundy in this one. And the grappling, you got to give a slight advantage to Ivalev because he's outgrappled better fighters. He has been tested against really good fighters in the m1 promotion and passed those tests with flying colors and i think that evil have a, has a slight advantage on paper in the grappling but we really do not know how these grappling exchanges are going to go and i think there's a good chance that mike grundy defends a lot of takedowns he's able to stand up from takedowns and i don't think we see evil have control grundy very easily if at all in this fight so in my opinion, it's dog or pass when we're talking about the betting line. I just don't think that you can favor Ivalev at minus 200 over a tough 145 or like Grundy. We just haven't seen Ivalev uh, fight and beat good featherweights yet to be trusting him at this price. And I think this is going to be a very competitive fight. And I'm going to go with Ivalev decision as an official prediction because I think that he will probably win rounds by pushing against the cage and maybe just riding Grundy against the cage, similar to how he did versus Choi, but I don't think it'll be very dominant at all. I think the striking exchanges will be competitive, the grappling will be competitive, and I'm happy to place one unit on Grundy at plus 210. I think there's still a little bit of value left on Grundy at plus 170, uh, but I would give uh, I would give Evilev a, a chance around 60 to 65 percent to win this fight. So I agree with Evilev being the favorite. I think he's going to win a decision here, but Mike Grundy is a good bet at plus 200 or higher, and I have one unit on Grundy to win at plus 210. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Jake Collier taking on Tom Aspinall. The opening betting line for this one was Aspinall, the favorite, at minus 170 to Collier, plus 145. Right now, we are seeing Aspinall, the minus 235 favorite to Collier at plus 195. So a lot more action coming in on the favorite Tom Aspinall in this one. And I'm going to disagree with the line movement here. I think that this line should be much closer. I think that where the opening line was at was pretty accurate. But where it's at now, where Collier is almost plus 200, I think there's clear value on Jake Collier. 
Tom Aspinall is making his UFC debut in this one, and I watched a lot of his regional fights, pretty much every fight available, and I'm very unimpressed with what I've seen from him. His only wins are round one finishes. A lot of them are over very low-level fighters with losing records. He only has one win over a fighter with like a decent record, and that was by a checked leg kick injury. He, he checked a nice leg kick, the guy broke his leg, and that was it, so... Aspinall is really a round one finisher. Besides that, we have seen him lose. The only two times he's been out of round one, he's lost the fight. Uh, one by an illegal elbow and one by a heel hook, which was a terrible, embarrassing loss to Stuart, Law, uh, Stuart Austin. On the feet, Aspinall is an orthodox striker. He's got some decent technique, decent power, but like I said, he just hasn't fought anybody good. So even he, though he's got a, a lot of round one knockouts and stuff like that, he just hasn't fought any good opponents. So you got to take all of those wins with a grain of salt. Now getting over to Jake Collier, he's coming off of a three-year layoff, but he does have UFC experience. He's coming off of, I think, of a win in the UFC uh, in his last fight. Yeah, he's coming off of a decision win over Marcel Fortuna back in 2017. He's got a few wins in the UFC, and I think he had a USADA suspension, maybe an injury in the past three years. But I think the Collier is the much more proven fighter. We've seen him compete against decent fighters, and he's pretty well-rounded. He's durable. He can take a punch on the feet. He can hit his own takedowns. He's got some decent offensive striking. So as long as Collier is able to avoid that round one finish, that early onslaught of offense from Aspinall, I think that he should be smooth sailing in rounds two and three. I think he's got a cardio advantage. He's got a grappling advantage Aspinall looked really bad defending takedowns he got stuck on his back for multiple minutes the only way he was able to get off of his back is because his opponent uh, let him up and then he got leg locked a few minutes later so Aspinall on the ground looks really bad and I think the Collier could hit takedowns keep top position possibly even submit Aspinall on the ground and I think the Collier should be able to outstrike uh, Aspinall on the feet in the later rounds too I think even in round one Collier has a good chance at competing and possibly winning the striking versus Aspinall so in my opinion Aspinall has shown nothing to think that he could compete in this fight past the three minute mark if it goes there so I understand Aspinall being the favorite he's got the hype behind his record he's got the quick finishes he's been more active lately but I have seen nothing from him to think that he can win this fight if it goes past a few minutes so I give Collier a grappling advantage I give him a strength of schedule advantage durability cardio advantage I mean Collier has a lot of advantages in this fight and I think if he can just have some good defense be durable not get knocked out early I think he should start taking Aspinall in those later rounds where he is not very good probably his hitting takedowns, outstriking Aspinall, using that cardio advantage. And I'm going to pick Jay Collier to win this fight by either round three finish or by decision. I don't think you can go too crazy betting on Collier pre-fight because the layoff is a concern. Three years with no MMA is a, a bit of a concern. So you can't go too crazy, maybe one or two units on Collier at plus 190. But if he is looking good in the fight, look to live bet him. I mean, if he is still standing after the two, three minute mark and isn't in much trouble on the feet, I think that you should uh, bet Jay Collier uh, pretty heavily in the live lines if you have access to that. So if you don't have live bets, I would maybe go a little heavier on Collier maybe two or three units and if you do have access to live betting i would go maybe one or two units on collier and keep it small so i'm a bit concerned about the layoff here from collier he could come in in bad shape and oh i should also mention the the size discrepancy um collier has fought at middleweight and light heavyweight throughout his career while aspinall has fought at light heavyweight and heavyweight and this fight is at heavyweight so we might see a size advantage from aspinall we might see aspinall come out and just swarm him with offense and get an early round one knockout 
So besides that, though, I think that he's going to be in deep trouble and likely loses this fight to Collier. So the pick for me is going to be Collier in round three or by decision. I got one unit on Collier at plus 195. Might even add a little bit more and we'll be definitely looking to lie back Collier here. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Nicholas Dalby taking on Jesse Ronson. The opening betting line for this one was Dalby the favorite at minus 500 to Ronson plus 375. Right now, we are seeing Dalby minus 262, Ronson plus 220. So crazy opening line here. Jesse Ronson did get bet pretty heavily, and rightfully so. I think that that opening line was insane. I don't even know if that was completely real. If anybody was able to bet um, Ronson at that plus 375 price, let me know. I would be curious to see what kind of action you got down. But I think this fight is really competitive. I think the line is still off. There's still a lot of value on Jesse Ronson at this plus 200 price. I would cap it more 60-40 for Dalby. And I really am surprised by this line for, for Ronson here. So I already have one unit on Ronson at plus 225. Might even look to add more if he stays above uh, plus 200 by the time the fight comes. So the striking here, I think, is really competitive. I think I would actually give a slight advantage to Jesse Ronson. I like his southpaw boxing. He digs to the body a lot. Uh, got really nice body punching and, and decent kicks as well. And I just think that Nicholas Dalby's striking defense is not very good. He doesn't react to strikes well and gets rocked in a lot of his fights. And particularly against southpaws, he's really struggled with southpaws throughout his career. Uh, Darren Till, Peter Sabata, Carlo Pedrozoli, all southpaws. They were all able to drop and defeat uh, Dalby, although technically Dalby drew um, with Darren Till in that fight. And even in the, the grappling aspect of this one, I think that Dalby is at his best when he's on top and hitting offensive takedowns. But I don't really rate him too highly as a grappler, and I've seen very solid takedown defense from Jesse Ronson. He does tend to get pushed against the cage a lot, but he has a very good sense for digging underhooks and going for wizards and just defending that those clinch takedown grinding situations that are very common in MMA today. But that's a good sign. I mean, I think that Dalby is going to be getting outstruck and likely looks to hit takedowns here and grind Ronson out against the fence, against the cage. But with the underhooking game, the takedown defense game I've seen from Ronson, I'm pretty confident that he will avoid getting taken down, avoid getting stuck on his back for long periods of time. And and be able to separate and get back to distance striking where I do give that slight advantage to Jesse Ronson. So I think that I'm actually going to favor Jesse Ronson in this fight to stuff takedowns, outstrike Dalby, and to win a decision here. So I think there's an immense amount of value on Jesse Ronson. I already have one unit on him at plus 225 and will add at least one more unit if he stays above that plus 200 uh, range by the time the fight night comes. So Ronson is a great bet for this price. Wouldn't go too crazy on him because it is his UFC debut. Uh, he's a pretty late into his career. He could be on the decline possibly. But I, I like Jesse Ronson in the spot. I, I see a lot of good things from him. I think he has a lot of advantages in this fight. And I think Dalby is getting a little bit overrated here, especially at this price. I mean, I think the fact that he's over minus 200 here is a bit crazy. So not really sure why, why Dalby is getting the respect he is. But I'm going to pick Jesse Ronson to pull off the plus 200 upset and win a decision here. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Francisco Trinaldo taking on Jai Herbert. The opening betting line for this one was Trinaldo, the minus 180 favorite to Herbert, plus 140. Right now, we are seeing Trinaldo, minus 140 to Herbert, plus 120. So, more action coming in on the dog, Jai Herbert, in this one. 
I actually disagree with the action here. I think that Trinaldo deserves to be more of a favorite around minus 200, minus 300 is where I would cap him because Trinaldo is just a much better fighter. He's fought and beaten the better competition. In my opinion, he's better than Herbert everywhere. He's the better striker. He's the much better grappler. And I think that Herbert has looked pretty unimpressive with what I've seen from him on tape. In the Rice McKee fight, he was outstriking McKee in that fight, but it was just fighting with his hands down, practically no defense, and he got hit with a few short punches and just knocked out cold. Um, I've seen Herbert get taken down in a lot of his fights. Uh, the Grant fight, the O'Keefe fight, he got taken down and held down in those fights. He looked really bad off of his back, but was eventually able to work his way back up to the feet and score quick knockouts over his opponents, but... If we saw Herbert get taken down and stuck on bottom versus the opponents that he's fought so far, I think that we are very likely to see Trinaldo hit takedowns and likely massively outgrapple Herbert here on the ground. I just think that Trinaldo will keep him on the ground, will likely look to pass and submit if he gets on top at some point throughout this fight. But even if the fight stays standing, Herbert does have some nice orthodox striking. He's definitely got some quick and fast hands. He's got a little bit of power behind his punches too, but... I just think that he will have never fought a striker near the caliber of Trinaldo. This is a massive step down in competition for Trinaldo. The guy's on like a four or five fight win streak, even though he's like 42, 43 years old, which is extremely old for the lightweight division, extremely old for any type of fighter. But Trinaldo is still fighting really well, has not shown too many signs of declining, and has still looked very technical and fresh in his uh, past few fights. So I give Jai Herbert a very small chance to win this fight. I think he's going to have to swarm Trinaldo and look to touch the chin and knock out Trinaldo early, use his speed and his power advantage. But Trinaldo has never been knocked out in the UFC. He's got like 15, 20 UFC fights, never been knocked out. Been submitted once or twice, but there's no way that Herbert's going to submit Trinaldo. And I think that outside of that early knockout for Herbert, he's going to get uh, beaten here. I mean, maybe there's a small chance that Trinaldo is uh, fighting that typical low output decision type of style and he gets out volumed and slightly outstruck by Herbert and loses a close decision like sort of like he did versus Alex Hernandez but I think even that is extremely unlikely I think that Trinaldo will look to exploit that terrible ground game of Herbert likely hits takedowns at some point and if he does get a, a takedown he likely submits Herbert somewhere along the way so I think that I'm going to go with Trinaldo by decision as the official prediction because uh, we just don't see much initiative from Trinaldo not much finishing instinct he did land that knee not too long ago over uh, Evan Dunham but besides that we have not seen many finishes from Trinaldo I do think that if Trinaldo gets him on the floor there's a great chance of a submission so I do have a half a unit on Trinaldo submission plus 750 and I already have two units on Trinaldo minus 150 but the price has gotten better since then so I might even add more to Trinaldo I think he's a very safe pick in this fight and at minus 140 there's a ton of value on Trinaldo I think he's worth a three four unit maybe even a max bet on Trinaldo here that's how confident I am in Trinaldo here so the pick is going to be Trinaldo by decision. Small chance he wins by submission as well, uh, but there's a lot of value on Trinaldo, and he might be one of the best bets of the card. The next fight is in the welterweight division. We have Hamzat Chimaev taking on Rice McKee. The opening betting line for this one was Chimaev, the massive favorite at minus 600 to McKee plus 450. 
right now we are seeing Chemayev minus 1252, McKee plus 800. So Chemayev getting another fight in the UFC off of his win just last week against John Phillips. It's going to be a two-week turnaround for Chemayev, and they gave him another pretty easy opponent, Rice McKee. He's actually fought a lot of his career at lightweight and recently moved up to welterweight in his last fight. And I just don't think that McKee has any chance to win this fight. Even in the striking, it might be competitive, but I still think I give an advantage to Chemayev. But Chemayev just shoots takedowns right away. He shot in the first 5 or 10 seconds of both rounds versus John Phillips and was able to just completely wipe out Phillips on the mat. And I've seen some pretty bad defensive grappling from McKee, so I think that there's no chance he stops the takedown. He likely gets stuck on bottom, dominated with uh, ground and pound, and likely submitted or TKO'd at some point. So the pick for me is going to be Chemayev by round 1 or round 2 finish. I think the submission is definitely more likely. If you want to throw Chemayev in a parlay, go ahead. I still think there is some value on him. Honestly, I would cap him at like minus 1,900, around 95%. Um, so there's still some value left on uh, Chemayev in this one. He's going to look like one of the biggest favorites in UFC history and likely gets a finish in rounds one or two here. So the pick is going to be Chemayev by round one submission. The next fight is the first fight on the main card. In the welterweight division, we have Alex Oliveira taking on Peter Sabata. The opening betting line for this one was Oliveira minus 170 to Sabata plus 145. Right now we are seeing Oliveira minus 170 to Sabata plus 150. So not much line movement in this one. That means there's probably two-way action coming in on this fight. But I think that there's value on Peter Sabata at these odds. And I think that this is a very competitive fight. I would cap it at more at 50-50 than to give this much of an advantage to Oliveira. Sabata is coming off of a long layoff and he's been pretty inactive over the past five years, only five fights in five years, and his last fight was in March of 2018, so a little over a two-year layoff here for Sabata, but I still think this is a pretty decent matchup for Sabata. He's a southpaw with some good striking, he's got nice boxing, he's been able to hurt some of his opponents with his punches before, he's got good kicks as well. And Sabata is a really good uh, offensive grappler, I've been really impressed with his top position game. Once he gets a takedown, he's very heavy on top, he looks to, to pass guard, looks to take backs and to submit you. I think that Sabata is the much better grappler than Oliveira here, especially when you consider Oliveira just consistently ends up on bottom and makes bad grappling moves in most of his fights. So I think there's a great chance we see Sabata hit takedowns here and likely dominate Oliveira from top position, pass guard, mount him, take his back, look for ground and pound submissions. So I heavily favor Sabata on the ground in this fight. On the feet, it should be very competitive. I still think I give an advantage to Alex Oliveira. He's longer. He's got the better uh, front kicks. A nice jab. You look, he uses his reach pretty well. And Oliveira is definitely at his best when he's brawling, getting in crazy fights. But his cardio is a big concern. Sometimes he goes for that round one finish, doesn't get it, and slows down in rounds two and three. Oliveira is just a fighter you can never be too confident in. He makes a lot of mistakes, makes bad fight IQ moves, his cardio is not the best at times, sometimes his chin isn't good, his defense is pretty bad at points when he gets hit with some big punches, so... I think that betting on Oliveira as a favorite is always a risky situation, especially over a tested, proven guy like Peter Sabata. I think the Sabata gives him a very tough fight. It's going to be competitive on the feet, and I think the Sabata likely hits takedowns and starts to outgrapple 
uh, Alex Oliveira on the ground here. So the pick for me is going to be Sabata by decision or submission. I think the most likely outcome here is a decision. I think that we might see Oliveira win round one with his striking, and then Sabata looks to adapt a little bit, hit takedowns in rounds two and three, and win the fight via his grappling in those later rounds and having the better cardio. So the pick for me is going to be Sabata by decision or submission, and I think that there's a lot of value of plus 150 on Sabata. I would definitely be betting Sabata for about 1.5 units. I wouldn't go too crazy because the two-year layoff here versus Sabata, and I still think it's going to be somewhat of a competitive fight. It likely goes to the, to the decision, and it could go either way. So I'm going to pick uh, Sabata by decision. Uh, not the most confident pick, but I do think there's a lot of value on Sabata at plus 150, and he is worth a bet. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Gazmarad Antogulov taking on Paul Craig. The opening betting line for this one was Antogulov, the minus 125 favorite, to Craig, the slight plus 105 dog. Right now, we are seeing the line flip. Paul Craig now minus 132, Antogulov plus 110. So I agree with the, the line movement there. I think the wrong fighter was favored to open it up. And I think that that's pretty obvious based on the fact that Antogulov seems to only have about two to three minutes worth of cardio. In his past three or four UFC fights, he's done the exact same thing. He comes at you pretty much sprinting at you, throwing reckless strikes without much technique and just looking to shoot takedowns right away. In his most recent fight against Ola Jachuk, that's what he did. He was shooting sloppy shots, got easily stuffed, and was getting counterpunched and dropped. Got dropped like three times in 60 seconds before that fight was called off. And even if Antigulov is able to hit the takedowns, he's not really good from top position. He was able to take down Ian Kutaleba three times in round one, but just didn't do anything with it. Kutaleba worked his way back to the fence, stood up, started to outstrike Antigulov, and three minutes in the fight, Antigulov was huffing and puffing, getting hit with big strikes, and eventually got knocked out in round one. So Antigulov is pretty much rushing at you looking to get an early takedown and if he doesn't he pretty much is going to gas out and get knocked out so even if he gets the takedown here versus craig i think that craig won't get instantly submitted he's a pretty solid defensive grappler i think that uh he should be able to stay safe on the ground work his way back up to the feet tire antigulov out and start to outstrike antigulov if this fight stays in the feet i give an advantage to craig he's much more active he's got the better technique and even on the floor, I would give the advantage to Craig. I think he's the much better overall grappler. And I think that as long as he doesn't get submitted in the first two, three minutes here, he should take over the fight by having the better cardio, the better overall MMA game. And I think that Craig is just a much better fighter at this point in their careers. So at one point, Antigulov had some decent wins over good competition over in Russia. But since he's gotten to the UFC, he's just gotten worse and worse. And I think he's probably at an all-time bad right now. And we haven't seen him fighting in over a year. Maybe he comes back in looking rejuvenated and comes in with fresh technique and not fighting in that stupid game plan where he just rushes at you recklessly. Uh, maybe we see Antigulov adapt a little bit. But... We, you just got to trust what we've seen on tape, and what we see on tape is Antigulov rushes at you, has bad cardio, and is a round one finisher bust. So I'm going to pick Craig here. I think I got two units on him at plus 102. I was able to still bet him as an underdog. And even where the price is at now at minus 130, I still think there's some considerable value left on Paul Craig. I would honestly cap his chances in this fight and more at 60 to 70 percent somewhere in that range so if you're getting a minus one next to his name i still think it's a pretty safe bet and look to live bet craig because if he's still uh, alive after that 
three or four minute mark and you have access to mid-round live betting, I would go heavy on Paul Craig if he is still surviving after that three or four minute mark. So the pick here is going to be Craig by finish. I think he gets it done in rounds two or three, likely by submission. And there's still some value left on his money line. And I will be betting Craig for two units at plus 102. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Carla Esparza taking on Marina Rodriguez. The opening betting line in this one was Rodriguez the minus 140 favorite to Esparza plus 120. Right now we are seeing Rodriguez minus 170 to Esparza plus 150. So there is two-way action coming in on this fight. I think the more action is coming in on the favorite Rodriguez in this one. And it's a very tough fight to predict, very close. I think that it's a classic striker versus grappler matchup. Rodriguez uh, got a Muay Thai background, very good clinch striker, good knees and elbows in the clinch, and a pretty good distance striker as well. Good straight punches and front kicks. She uses her length really well. Asparza is a decent striker of her own, but of course she's a, a grappler at heart. One of the best wrestlers in uh, female MMA history, honestly. But I think she's on the decline. I think that she was definitely a better grappler at one point in her career than she was now. And I think that people are likely going to be looking at the Rodriguez fight against Cynthia Calvillo. And seeing how she got taken down and stuck on bottom in that fight. And thinking that Esparza can do the same thing here. But I don't think it's going to be that simple. Because I think honestly Calvillo is probably a better grappler than Esparza at this point in their careers. I just I just like the way that uh, Calvillo can chain together takedowns a little bit better than Esparza. Sometimes Esparza shoots a takedown, gets stuffed, and is kind of discouraged from chaining together multiple attempts. And kind of just gets stuck in the clinch or stuck in some grinding exchange against the cage. And Marina Rodriguez kind of thrives in those exchanges. She's really good at framing. She's good at throwing knees and elbows, as I mentioned earlier. So I give a distance striking advantage and a clinch striking advantage to Rodriguez in this one. And obviously still give Esparza a grappling advantage but I just don't think she's dominant enough with her grappling to think that she has a great chance to win this fight I think that in terms of the betting line it's probably dog or pass I mean I think the line is accurate I think that Rodriguez being at this price is accurate and I wouldn't bet either side honestly at this price but if I had to uh you know gun to my head I, I, if I had to bet one unit or two units on this fight I think I would go with the favorite in Rodriguez because I think she's going to be winning the distance striking she's going to stuff some takedowns with her clinch she might get taken down a few times but I think that she has the the get-ups to get back up off, off of her feet and it mostly stems from Esparza just not having the greatest top control she's not really great from top position she kind of lets her opponents have some space on the ground sometime and she's just not a very dominant top heavy grappler like Cynthia Calvio is so I think even if Esparza hits a takedown or two she likely uh, still gets outstruck throughout this fight and loses at least two out of three rounds I think Rodriguez has a good chance of a knockout because if Esparza is shooting those uh, those telegraph takedowns from a long distance away like she tends to do I think Rodriguez will easily see those coming will clinch her up and will punish her with hard knees and elbows in the clinch and I think there's a chance that we see Rodriguez land a ton of damage over time and eventually get a TKO over Esparza here so Rodriguez as a TKO prop at plus 850 that has some value but in terms of the official prediction I think I'll go with Marina Rodriguez to win the decision I think her takedown defense is good enough to avoid getting taken down and spend a lot of time on her back 
here. But if Esparza has the right game plan, she's shooting a lot of takedowns. She's maybe making it competitive on the feet. I don't think it's a complete wipeout in the striking here. I think I do give uh, Rodriguez a pretty significant advantage. But Esparza has some decent boxing. She can come forward and throw strikes a lot of the times. So she could make this competitive at distance. So... I'm not writing Esparza off. I don't like her chances in this fight, though. I think that she gets her takedown stuffed. And even if she does get a takedown or two, I don't think she does enough with them to, to for her to win the fight. So the pick for me is going to be Marina Rodriguez to stuff takedowns, to outstrike, land good clinch strikes, and likely uh, get a dominant decision here versus Carla Esparza. And that plus 850 TKO prop has some value as well. So the pick is going to be Rodriguez by decision. The next fight is in the heavyweight division. We have Fabricio Verdum taking on Alexander Gustafsson. The opening betting line for this one was Gustafsson, the favorite, at minus 240 to Verdum plus 205. Right now, we are seeing Gustafsson minus 360 to Verdum plus 300. So more action coming in on the favorite, Alexander Gustafsson, in this one. And I disagree with the line movement. I think the opening price was more accurate than where it sits at now. I just think that it's crazy that Gustafsson is minus 300 here in his first heavyweight fight. Gustafsson is coming off back-to-back -back losses and actually retired after his last fight against uh, Anthony Smith. Gustafsson didn't really throw much volume in rounds one or two of that fight. It was just basically making reads and uh, figuring out what he was going to do for the rest of the fight. In round three, he increased his volume, won the round decisively, had a ton of momentum going into the championship rounds, but then got clinched up, went for a really stupid trip or judo throw or something like that, ended on his back, got his back taken, and got rear naked choked in round four. So... It was a fight that Gustafsson was likely going to win. He had a ton of momentum and managed to piss it all away somehow. So that was a really bad performance in his last fight. And I don't really like the move up to heavyweight either. It seems like he's just moving up out of convenience. You never know what kind of shape he's going to be, not having to cut weight for the first time in his career. And I think that Gustafsson's style particularly won't age well at heavyweight. He likes using a lot of footwork, a lot of movement. And you know when you're heavier, when you're not dieting as much and taking a condition and losing weight as seriously throughout your fight camp you're going to be way heavier and slower in there i think his footwork is going to be a lot slower his punches are going to be slower but lucky for Gustafsson, he's fighting another pretty old fighter who's way past his prime verdum came off of a long layoff himself in his last fight and he lost the decision to Olenek. did not look very good in that fight but that did not look completely helpless earlier he got outstruck in round one absorbed some pretty big punches but his durability looked pretty solid honestly made some good adjustments in rounds two and three and started hitting more takedowns round two was a coin flip anybody's round and in round three Fabricio Verdum won the round convincingly he was able to hit a few takedowns get some back takes but made some bad IQ moves by going for the arm bar and ending up on bottom so I think that Verdum could have possibly 10-8 that round or got a rear naked choke or something like that but just went for some bad um, grappling IQ moves by going for those arm bars so uh, Verdum didn't look helpless at all in that fight. His durability looked fine. Cardio looked fine. So getting down to how these two match up, Gustafsson is the better striker. Verdum is the better grappler. Everybody knows that. And the fight is much more likely to stay on the feet because Verdum just doesn't have the most reliable takedowns. Gustafsson has pretty good takedown defense historically. And Gustafsson's likely going to be running away the entire time like he typically does. And it's going to make it hard for Verdum to set up a takedown. But 
If Verdum is able to land a takedown in this fight, it could mean the fight is over. It could mean that he submits Gustafsson if he gets on top, or he could just tire Gustafsson out and have a clear path to victory to win the later rounds of the fight. So I'm not going to straight up pick Verdum here to, to win the fight, but I do think that there's a great chance that he somehow lands a takedown in some weird exchange, gets on top, and is able to submit Gustafsson somehow. So even at plus 300, I think that there is some value on Verdum, and I was able to bet a half a unit on Verdun by submission at plus 750. I think if he wins the fight, it most likely is by submission. Um, the second most likely outcome would be by decision. Maybe he just gets on top and wins two out of three rounds via top time. And a very small chance he knocks Gustafsson out of the feet. Uh, Gustafsson, I think that it is unlikely that he knocks out Verdum. Uh, Verdum's durability looked pretty solid versus Olenek. Looked like he could take a lot of punches pretty well. And I think that Gustafsson is going to have to use good footwork to outbox Verdum here and to put on a good 15-minute performance. And this late into Gustafsson's career, coming off the layoff, coming off the retirement, up a weight class, I just think there's no way you can trust Gustafsson to put on uh, that perfect of a performance without making a mistake. Because one mistake, he could get taken down and the fight could be over. So based on that alone, I think it's dog or pass. I think that Verdum is worth a half a unit, one unit bet at plus 300. And I would also look at that Verdum by submission prop if you have access to that. So in terms of an, of an official prediction, I'm going to go with Gustafsson by decision as an official pick but i think there's a good chance that verdum pulls off the upset and maybe gets a submission here so it's dog or pass but the official prediction is gustafson by decision the next fight is the co-main event of the evening in the late heavyweight division we have shogun hua taking on antonio hojirio noguera the opening betting line for this fight was Shogun at minus 300 to Lil Nog at plus 250. Right now we are seeing Shogun at minus 185 to Lil Nog plus 160. I agree with the line movement in this one. I think that that opening betting line was crazy and this honestly could be a coin flip pick em type of fight. I could even see Noguera being a slight favorite in this fight and both of these guys are extremely old. I think they're both in their 40s. I think Lil Nog might be 43 or something like that. One of the oldest fighters on the roster. These guys are legends, but you pretty much have to look at their past two or three fights to see how they're going to fight because even though they had great careers before this, they're extremely old, they're very limited in their abilities, so you have to really look at their most recent fights to see how these fights are going to go. And in Shogun's most recent few fights, he's gotten rocked extremely badly in round one of all three of those fights. He was getting outstruck very badly by... Paul Craig, of all people, in round one of their fight, uh, was able to get some takedowns and top time in rounds two and three and win that, or actually draw in that fight. In Tyson Pedro fight, he was rocked real bad in that fight, managed to come back uh, versus gassed out Pedro and finish him. Anthony Smith, he was finished in round one of that fight. So, He's looked extremely vulnerable in round one of all three of his most recent fights. Now, I'm not saying Noguera has looked invincible either because he too has also gotten rocked in his past few fights. Sam Alvey gave him a bit of trouble in round one, but he was able to come back in round two and score a knockout. And in Lil Nog's most recent fight, it was against Ryan Spann, a real young fighter, huge athletic advantage, and he was able to take Lil Nog down and uh, attempt an arm triangle, but Noguera defended well. You see that his jujitsu was still there. He can still escape bottom position, so 
Shogun has been kind of bailed out in his past two fights against Craig and Pedro by them not being able to escape bottom and then being content to just play guard and sit on their backs for multiple minutes. But Noguera is not going to do that. He has very good get ups. I mean, that half guard sweep that he used to get up versus Ryan Spann, really good stuff. And even at 43 years old, the guy is still a great jujitsu practitioner. And I think that he will be able to defend takedowns from Shogun. He will be able to avoid getting stuck on his back. And we're going to see these two strike. They're pretty much both boxers at this point. I think Shogun might throw a few kicks and knees in his game, but Noguera is pretty much all hands at this point. And I think that Noguera has a pretty clear boxing advantage. He's got the much crisper technique. I think he's still got good defense. And I think he just reacts to punches a little bit better. But both of these guys are extremely vulnerable to being hit. And realistically, we could see a round one knockout from either guy. I think that Lil Nog is the more likely to get that knockout because I think he's got a little more power behind his punches. But I also could see them both being content to fight to like a slow, low output decision where I still think I would favor Lil Nog just to jab and pick him apart over three rounds and fight at a slow pace. But I think it's much more likely that these two just trade in the pocket without much defense in round one and one of them will fall so i have a small bet on noguera round one knockout at i think plus 1100 and i'm also going to put one or two units on noguera money line i think i already have one unit on plus 160 i'm just waiting to see what the line does to add some more because even though i'm not massively confident in noguera to win this fight i mean it's a 44 year old heavyweight after all you can't be too confident but the odds are in my opinion 50 50 maybe even 50 55 45 in advantage for Lil Nog. So, considering that his the odds say that his chances are like 37 38%, there's some considerable value there. And I think it's worth about a one to two unit bet on the money line. Maybe throw some more on Noguera by uh, round one knockout because the way the Shogun's been looking at round one lately, I think the round one knockout is pretty likely. So, I think I'll go with the round one knockout as my official prediction. I could also see a decision from Noguera, that low output decision, but. I'm pretty confident in O'Gara. Um, wouldn't go too crazy more than two units on his money line because it is a 44-year-old light heavyweight that we're dealing with here. I think I said heavyweight earlier, but uh, light heavyweight, close enough. And in terms of the official prediction, we're going to go with Lil Nog, round one knockout. The next fight is the main event of the evening in the middleweight division. We have Robert Whitaker taking on Darren Till. And the opening betting line for this one was Whitaker, the minus 135 favorite to till plus 115 right now we are seeing whitaker minus 125 to till plus 105 so there's definitely two-way action coming in on this fight it was a near pick em for a while there maybe minus 110 for a few days and now we're starting to see a little more action come in on the former champion robert whitaker and i think that that's justified i think that whitaker is just a much more proven middleweight i mean the guy was the champion he had the wars with yoel romero in his most recent fight against the reigning champion Israel Desanya, he had a rough fight. He went at Izzy very hard in round one. He tried to force exchanges, get inside the pocket, but was just getting counterstruck and hit hard. He got dropped at the end of round one and then eventually got finished in round two with a nasty combination from Israel Desanya. So. There's no doubt that Whitaker has been taking a lot of damage in his past few fights and he might not be the same fighter as he was before the Romero fights and he's also had I think some injuries and some personal problems over the past few years so there's a lot of doubt around Whitaker but if he is anywhere near in his form as he was before the Romero fights maybe it's 2015-16 self I think that Whitaker should be a clear favorite here and then he likely 
outclasses Darren Till in the striking. Darren Till is rather unproven at 185 pounds. He has had most of his career at welterweight, recently moved up to 185, and did defeat Kelvin Gastelum uh, in a decision back at UFC 244. So it was a nice performance from him. He defused Gastelum very well, but in my opinion, he could have shown a lot more in that fight. I mean, you, we saw how quickly Jack Hermanson dealt with Kelvin Gastelum 90 seconds this past weekend, and then you see Till edge him out over a split decision over 15 minutes it was very low output he didn't really let go of his strikes he showed some decent clinching he showed some good defense in that fight but it was a really bad performance from kelvin gastelum and I don't think that win for Till really proved that much. And I still think he's a long way from being a top 185-er. And at these current odds, I think it's kind of crazy that Till is getting this much respect in the betting window. Because the odds currently have him at about, I don't know, 47-48% to defeat the former champion Robert Whitaker. I think that's pretty heavily relying on Robert Whitaker being on the decline or being a shot fighter at this point in his career. But personally, I have not seen it. I've only seen him struggle with the elite level of the middleweights and Yoel Romero, which he still won both of those fights. And of course, um, is Rod Asani in his last fight. I mean, there's no shame in losing to the champion. I think that Till would get smoked by Israel Adesanya if they fought as well. And that doesn't really play much into this matchup i think you have to look at robert whitaker's skill over his career and look at how great of a fighter he is he's extremely well-rounded he's got great boxing extremely good kicks i gotta say that i'm extremely impressed with all types of robert whitaker's kicks i mean he throws good round kicks leg kicks those uh, stabbing oblique kicks that he learned uh you know he learned the hard way he got his knee shattered by that in the yoel romero fight and then he started throwing them a lot in the next fight versus romero and he also was throwing them versus Adesanya so that's a stable part of uh, Robert Whitaker's game and those could come into play here those stabbing oblique kicks the ones that we see John Jones popularized back in the day could be a big factor in this fight for a guy like Till who stands rather straight up and kind of stagnant at times so I think most of this fight takes place in the striking aspect of things. I don't think that it will go to the ground unless Robert Whitaker really wants it to because Robert Whitaker has tremendous takedown defense. I don't see any way that Till would be able to get him down. Whitaker was able to defend Yoel Romero's takedowns and I don't see any way that Darren Till would be able to get him down after that. So the fight will take place on the feet unless Robert Whitaker wants to hit his own offensive takedowns. Maybe if the striking isn't really going his way, he can look to offensive wrestle and look to put Till on his back where where he's kind of struggled in the past and I definitely think that Whitaker is the better grappler of the two if he were to hit takedowns he could probably stay on top and win rounds if the fight is going to the decision that could be a big factor the close rounds and the striking Whitaker hits a takedown to ice the round and that's just another tool in the arsenal of Robert Whitaker and that's why he's the more well-rounded fighter that's why I favor him to win this fight I think he should be more around the minus 150 favorite in this fight because I am slightly concerned about his athletic decline he might not be the same fighter he was before all the damage he took in his past few fights but I still think he's pretty fresh he's a very young guy he has a lot of time to resurrect his career and I'm not ready to write him off yet I think this fight will be mostly striking and I think that we will see Whitaker be the more effective and damaging striker. He's going to be landing leg kicks and likely outboxing Darren Till. I like the slight volume advantage for Whitaker and he just tends to let his hands go and let his volume go in fights more than Darren Till does. 
In Tails' past three fights, he was very low volume and tentative at times throughout all three of them. The Wonderboy Thompson fight was a very low output five round decision, which frankly, I thought he lost 48-47. Thompson was my scorecard for that fight. He barely threw anything versus uh, Tyron Woodley and still managed to get countered by Tyron Woodley's obvious right hand and drops submitted later in that round. And then versus Kelvin Gastelum, he didn't really throw much either, only landed 30 or 40 strikes. He's never actually landed more than 50 strikes in a UFC fight, so that's a big concern from Till here. Whitaker has a huge volume advantage. I think he'll be the more damaging striker, being the more natural 185 pounder. And I think that we see Robert Whitaker get back on track and win this fight on Saturday night. I think that it's most likely going to happen by decision. I think he likely wins maybe 49-46, but there's still a good chance of a knockout. I think that Whitaker always had great power. I mean, he had some incredible knockouts on his run to the title, and he's a very damaging hard hitter, and I think that we could see a big power disadvantage uh, for Darren Till here, and he could possibly get knocked out so i think that this fight will likely go to the decision and robert whitaker is going to be my pick in terms of the betting window i still think there's some value left on whitaker but in my opinion i don't, I don't think i'm going to be betting the money line in this fight maybe look to live bet it i think that it'll be close early and we'll likely see whitaker get out to a lead in the later rounds the championship rounds. so i think there might be some good live betting opportunities so my pick once again is going to be whitaker by decision So that is going to do it for this week's podcast. There is another UFC card next Saturday, so that will be the next episode of Martian MMA. Thank you all for tuning in. And you can check out all my official bets on my betmma.tips page. It is in the description of the YouTube video. It is also on my Twitter page at UFO underscore UFC. That's where you can see all my official bets where I am up over 47 units for the year of 2020 and plus 5.5 units for the last event. So we're on a good hot streak right now with the bets and we'll look to keep it going this weekend so you can check out all my official bets over there once again and thank you all for listening to this podcast and i will see you all next week peace